0: I preached a few weeks ago about spiritual battles and warfare and, um, and I told you that the battle is real and the battle is spiritual and that Satan doesn't play fair, does he? And then we, we talked about that and we have to be alert and we need to remember that we, uh, are victorious first of all through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we find our victory. And, but here's the thing. Despite having faith in God, being new in Christ, and being victorious, I'll be honest with you, and I think you all could be honest with me, is that we still have those moments of fear and being anxious. Even though we are Christians, we still allow fear to creep into our lives. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. But before we do, I need a, I need a student uh, to, to come up here and help me out junior high, senior high, I don't care. This is the first hand, what you know. Come on up. I always ignore your hand. Because I I know you too well. So anyway, um, but we're gonna we're gonna help me out here. Okay. So what I'm gonna have you do? Well, first of all, what's coming up this week? What ho- what uh, holiday? My birthday. <laughs> is it really? When's his birthday? <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday on Halloween. What do you know? What is this secondary holiday that happens on October 31st? Halloween. Halloween yeah. Okay. Is that supposed to be a scary holiday? So, yeah, it's supposed to be. Um, And so I'm going to have you do something for me. I got I got two containers here, and you're going to reach inside. So I got a sort of a scarier face and sort of a happier face, okay? And um, seeing that it's Halloween's coming up and we're talking about fear today, um, there could be something scary in there. could be something scary in there. And uh, you're going to help me out. But you're going to put on this to reach in, okay? And um, you remember this from football a couple weeks ago, don't you? So, when you reached into the container that I had at football practice, what did you pull out? Uh, or you didn't actually pull it out, but yeah. what, what got pulled out? A pig's tongue. A pig's tongue. Yeah, it was pretty gross, pretty scary. Some people were freaking out, yeah. So, anyway, so you guys, glove on? Good. All right. So, I want you to just reach in and feel around and just sort of tell me what you feel. What does it feel like? How does it feel? Describe it. Feels like spaghetti. Feels like spaghetti. Ooh. There's chunks. Oh, and there's chunks. Look at everybody and just and say that again. There's what? Just give me the face that you gave me, because that was good. There's chunks. You didn't do that. You're like, there's chunks. Okay, what are you? Okay, so you want to go ahead and let's, let's pull up. Just don't drop it on the stage, but just sort of see what it is. Oh, oh yeah, spaghetti and bananas. Bananas, yeah, spaghetti and bananas. <laughs> That's sort of gross, isn't it? <laughs> Happy birthday. I'll let you take it home and eat it for lunch. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, you knew what happened at football practice, and you saw this, and you heard what I was going to have you do. Were you, you weren't even scared now, were you? Not really. Why? Uh, because, I do know. Do you trust me? Yeah. Okay. And you knew I wouldn't do anything crazy because then you'd sue me, so that's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, let's reach in here now. Ooh, what is that? Candy. Yeah, candy. I'll tell you what, grab a handful. It's your birthday coming up. There you go. What? <laughs> Happy birthday! I've never seen a hand enlarged so big before. It was like the claw. This is incredible. That's nice. Good job. Well, you knew, you knew it couldn't be that bad. Like I said, you would have, you know, you, you trust me, but it could have been scary. I could have put something in there. It could have been very frightening, pretty gross, right? But I didn't do that. We kept it safe. We kept it clean. Okay. But there's still that. What's in there factor going on with some of us? Because you look at a container and then you get a glove and I go, oh boy, what am I getting into? So the worriness, the anxious feelings start to arise a little bit, right? Not knowing what's going to happen. Let's change the environment, okay? We're not in a church. It's not a pretty pumpkin and it's not Pastor Rex that's holding it, okay? Let's put yourselves in a in an inner city, okay? A big city, okay? Bigger than Petersville, Okay. Bigger than Delta, bigger than Washington, bigger than Toledo, bigger than South Bend. Let's keep getting bigger, okay? And it's, it's, it's dark. There's broken lights. You're by yourself. And somebody's approaching you on the same sidewalk, and they're looking a little sketchy. They're looking different than you, and you're wondering, oh, boy, I'm, 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 the anxious feelings start to come up, don't they? Okay? And then they walk up to you with a container, and they're like, hey, I got something for you. you just stick your hand right in here? Okay, now, how many of us, and don't raise your hand, but because none of you would, hopefully, uh, how many of us would, would actually do that? I, I don't think anybody would. I think instead, we would maybe, before we even got close to that person, we might be looking to see if any cars are coming to see if we might cross over and go on the other side of the street. Or we're just going to duck our head down and look the other way. The environment has changed, hasn't it? You're now in that environment, in that atmosphere, where... Your fear has been heightened. The anxiousness and the worry has been enlarged. Trust, trust is absent. There's no trust going on. There's a trust factor here because we've known each other, okay? So there's some trust. Confidence, that's absent. He's confident that what's going to happen here in church is going to be okay. It's going to be safe. That's gone. Doubt begins to enter along with his desperate buddies, worry and concern and anxiety, and they surround you, and the next thing you know, you are surrounded by fear. But where does fear come from? It's, you know, was it from the environment that was surrounding us, the things that were taking place? Was it from the person that approached us? Where does, where does fear come from? In your Bibles, is a verse, and uh, you can look this up if you want we're not going to stay there very long. But in 2 Timothy 1 7, it says this. God, for God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. See, we face situations, all of us face situations in which fear comes in. And for some of us, speaking in front of other people makes you scared. If I, you know, I was like, hey, could you come up here and give an announcement or say something? No, no, I can't speak in front of large crowds. I get scared. Right. Maybe, it's, maybe that's not your fear. Maybe, maybe your fear is having to confront somebody and you don't like to confront people or you don't like to be confronted and you know you're going to get confronted. Maybe your fear is something else. Maybe you don't want to look foolish in front of others. Maybe you fear rejection. Maybe you fear missing out on something. Maybe you fear the future. Maybe you fear death, loneliness, pain, sickness, failing. That's one of my fears. I don't want to fail lacking something, we all deal with fear. And one of the first steps in dealing with fear when it comes our way is to understand these fears are not from God. God does not do that. It's a significant step to, stay, to say, hey, this isn't God making me feel this way. God hasn't given me this. And it's okay for you to say that and say it out loud because sometimes we need to. No, this, is, this isn't God that's making me feel this way right now. This is not from God. God does not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. Fear and timidity, they, they keep us from drawing near to God. They keep us from using the gifts that God has given us. We've all been given spiritual gifts, but sometimes we're afraid to use them because of fear. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to, I don't want to let God down, maybe. Maybe something like that. Fear comes when we Lack trust in God. And I want you to think about this, this. If God is walking by my side. And he tells me. To reach inside. Oh I'm reaching aren't you? But when it's not God that's walking by my side. Or when I'm walking by myself. And I'm tempted to look into reaching to something. I'm a little bit more fearful. Because I don't have God with me. I don't have that trust going on. If a stranger's walking up there, I'm probably not going to. My emotions have changed. Fear has entered in because God is not there. In your Bibles, turn to Psalm 112. Psalm 112. Psalm 112. uh, There's two psalms that go back to back. Psalm 111 and 112. Both uh, talk about the fear of the Lord uh, both are praises about how God is good. and What he does is good. And there's a reverence for God there. But we're going to look at Psalm 112. Verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children are successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines In the darkness for the godly, they're generous, compassionate, righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They don't fear the bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They're confident. They're fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely. They give generously to those in need and their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor and the wicked will see this. They'll be infuriated. They'll grind their teeth in anger. They'll slink away and their hopes are thwarted. The psalmist begins off with saying, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just as we sang, praise the Lord. There's this personal praise going on by the one who wrote this. And then he's also saying, hey, I want you all to join in me too. As we all say, praise the Lord. So it's it's a call to what's going on in my life, but also a challenge for all of you to praise him with me. And that's what this psalmist is doing. And he ended Psalm 111 saying that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then he goes on to say, but we we fear the Lord, not like I'm, I'm anxious uh, as to what he might do to me. Or I'm scared like as of somebody's frightening me. The fear that we're talking about is a reverent fear. You're in awe of him. That's the fear in which the psalmist is speaking of here. The blessed one does not fear God in, in that sense of that misery and that frantic, but out of reverence and awe. Look at verse two and three with me. It says their children will be successful. Everywhere, an entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy, and their good deeds will last forever. And it almost sounds like, boy, those who fear the Lord and obey his commands, they're going to get blessed materialistically. They're going to be rich, right? And then it sounds like, wait, is this a uh, get-rich sermon, one of those prosperity messages? Like, no, we don't preach those, okay? Charles Spurgeon looked at this passage, and, and he said this. He said, understood literally, This is rather a promise of the old covenant than of the new. For many of the best of the people of God are very poor. Yet it's been found true that the uprightness is the road to success. And all other things being equal. The honest man is a rising man. So, So no, not necessarily will the righteous be wealthy materially. But here's what he's saying. Our good deeds will be remembered and they will last forever. The things of this world are going to pass away. But the things that you do for the Lord will never pass away. The kindness that you show to somebody, the goodness you show to somebody, your generosity, those things will be remembered. It's a very rich thing. Look at verse 4. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They're generous, compassionate, righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. There's there's a darkness in this world, church. One author said this, there's three kinds of darkness. It's threefold. The darkness of error, the darkness of sorrow, and the darkness of death. And we look around and we can a lot of times say it seems pretty dark, pretty gloomy, right? You, You listen to the news and you feel that way. And the psalmist here recognizes darkness. He says, but the godly, those who fear the Lord will be blessed with light amidst the darkness. James Boyce said this. The relationship of God to the godly person is like the relationship of the sun to the moon. The sun shines in all its glorious light. It's the source of light. The moon does not. But still it shines. And the way it shines is by reflecting light that comes from the sun. See, understand this. The sun is our source of light, right? The moon only reflects light. The moon is not a source of light. It just reflects the sun. In the same way, our Heavenly Father, God, we are like that moon. We reflect God into this world. We reflect His light. We reflect His righteousness into this world. Look at verse 7. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They're confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. It seems that those who fear the Lord are drawing near to God, and they're reflecting God's light. The fearless in this passage that we've been reading are those who are close to God, who are reflecting Him. And light overcomes the darkness. Fear is alleviated as we draw near to God. Drawing near to God means we build a relationship with Him. And sometimes that scares us. You know, as you build a relationship with God, you learn to trust God because he's incredibly trustworthy. But here's the thing. If I'm going to trust God, that probably means I'm going to pray and ask God to take charge of my life. I'm probably going to have to surrender some things in my life, right? And I think a lot of us get a little worried about that. Like, well, if I surrender my life to Jesus, he's probably going to make me do something weird, right? He's probably going to make me move to a third world country, live in a hut, and eat grasshoppers. I'll probably have to carry around a 20-pound Bible and wear Jesus shirts and, and act goofy Jesus-like to people, right? I mean, if, if I surrender my life to Jesus, I'm probably going to have to sell my house, sell my things, and, and give it all away to the poor and, and live different, right? Is that sometimes how we think about God? It's like, well, if I completely surrender, I'm probably gonna to have to do all this stuff, right? Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Because we are so fearful of what God's gonna give us or ask us to do, we have a hard time trusting him. I want to trust him, but man, I think he's gonna make me do something crazy, right? Look at Romans 8 32. It says this, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but he gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Did you read that clearly? I mean, real clear? If God's for us, who can be against us? There's two things in here I want you to see here. That's the first thing. The first thing is this, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? If you're on God's team and God's on your team, are you really worried about the other team? If you're playing Red Rover and God's on your side, what are you thinking right now? Bring it. I got God right here and he's not letting anybody by, right? How come we don't think that way all the time? If God's for us, who can be against us? I mean, who is God? He is majestic. Romans, I'm sorry, Psalm 93.1 says this. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and he's armed with strength. In the Bible, whenever you hear about God talk about being majestic, it's used to express the greatness of God. And today we live in a society where we're tempted to view God as less than great. Oh, he's he's the big guy. He's the man upstairs. Let me tell you something. Don't ever let those words come out of your mouth, because if you are, I'm going to doubt your Christianity. Because he is God. He's not a man upstairs. He is God. He's robed in majesty. And when we start using human terms to describe God, we rob him of his majestic glory. And we have a distorted view of what God is like. And we have to be careful with that. We must not think of God in in human terms. Isaiah said this, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. God says, "Who, who do I compare with? And our answer is this, no one. There's no one we can compare God to. God tells us clearly he's not limited by time or power or knowledge. He's robed in majesty, and his majesty calls us to worship. Isaiah also said this in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. He said this, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary. He will not grow tired. And his understanding, nobody can fathom. He's God. And it draws us into want to worship him. You go back to Romans 8 32, and you look at the second thing about there. What has God given us? His most precious gift, his son Jesus Christ. Paul said, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he give us everything else? underline that, read that, memorize it. Because here's the thing. Sometimes we focus so much on the cost of the cross, the sacrifice of the cross, the pain of the cross that we unintentionally miss the reward of the cross. What has God given us? He's given us eternal life. He has given us freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame. He has given us new life in him. God has given you and I the most precious gift we could ever have. And that is Jesus Christ, his one and only son. What an incredible gift he has given us. So why would God start to be stingy with you and I now? Think about that. How can God, who is so good to me, who gave me the greatest gift ever, do bad things to me? That's distorted thinking. He doesn't. I can trust him. God's on my side. He's given us his greatest gift, his son. A.W. Tozer said this about the goodness of God. He said, God is good. And the goodness of God is that which positions him to be kind, benevolent, full of good towards mankind. God takes pleasure in the happiness of his people. God is good. He's a God of compassion. He is slow to anger. A God who has a love that never fails. He's always faithful, full of forgiveness. There's a passage, I'm just going to read this to you. It's from Exodus. And basically, Moses wanted to see the glory of God. And God said, you can't see the glory of God, the full attributes of myself, and survive. So I'm going to put you in in the crevice of a rock, and I'm going to pass behind you, and you may turn. And you can see as I pass by, but you cannot see me face to face. And he does. And then the next morning, it says this, coming out of Exodus chapter 34. It says, The Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his name, Yahweh. And the Lord passed in front of Moses. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. Now listen to the description of, of God. I am slow to anger. I am filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love Upon generation, a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected even children in third and fourth generations. Moses immediately, after God says all this, Moses immediately throws himself down on the ground and says, and he worships, and he says this, oh Lord, if it's true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. In other words, Moses like, God, you are good. You are compassionate. You are full of forgiveness. You are faithful. Oh God, you are mighty. If that's who you are, travel with me. In other words, I can't walk in this journey of life alone. I need you. Listen, church. God is revealing himself in these passages as good and generous. Especially Romans 8.32. He is good. He is generous. He has no motive. Just love. A lot of times we're good to people because we expect something in return. Not God. He never gives in order to get something back. He just gives and loves. And when we come to him in prayer and you go to God and you say, God, I've got these things I want to pray to you about and you praise him, God leans in and smiles. And when you go to God for asking for forgiveness for your sins, God leans in and smiles. You know why? Because God is good. He doesn't stand there with his arms crossed, foot tapping, saying, oh, I know what you did. Okay. Yes. He knows what we did. And he still leans in and smiles because God is good. And he is forgiving. He is a just God. He's a good God. You know, when we worship, as we were singing earlier, and by the way, we don't just worship when we sing. We worship by giving. We worship by singing. We worship by praying. We worship uh, by listening to the scriptures. We worship as we obey God. We worship as we have conversations with one another and letting God know how awesome he is. But when we are worshiping in song, we're singing about how God is good. We respond in praise, right? We get we get overwhelmed with the goodness of God and we, we are embraced by it and, and our response to God's embracing us is to worship and a lot of times it's in song. You know, I was with a group of people and some of you were there. It was a concert in Toledo, it was elevation worship, um, and some room were there, and it was it was it was pretty fantastic, pretty incredible. And on that day, um, I just found out that my sister has cancer. Understand the history of my family. My grandmother died of cancer. My father passed away from cancer a couple years ago. And my brothers had cancer. And now my sister has cancer. And that day was a long day. Um, I got the, the, the email that she sent out to our whole family. And, and I was going from one place to the next, one place to the next. And I just, the day never slowed down. And that night we got to the concert and, and everything slowed down. And in the midst of the worship, it all came about. It hit me. And, and we we're singing a song, or they were singing a song, but we were all worshiping along. It's called Do It Again. And it is one of my favorite songs. And it's about the faithfulness of God. And that faithfulness of God, as I was singing and listening, it was, it was just hitting me. It was a song of worship to God, a God who never fails, a God who's always faithful. And I, and I was slammed with the truth that despite the news of what's going on with my sister, God is good, He is faithful. And and he is good. I can choose to do one of two things. I can accept that truth or I can wallow in self-pity. I can sit there and say, woe is me, woe is my sister. Or I can stand here and say, God is good. And he is. That's his nature. I can place my focus on that. And that night I chose to lean into the truth and sing along. And it was hard. But God is faithful. And when that song was done, I excused myself and the concert was still going on. Everybody's still having a great time. And I went out in the lobby area and I called my sister up and we wept together and we prayed together and it was good. I cannot explain to you except that it is God's peace, but God removed the fear from me and gave me peace in that moment. You know why? Because God is good. Amen? But some of you maybe grew up hearing something different about God. Maybe for some of you, you grew up hearing that God is a God who's like, he's like a cop who sits behind a building, just waiting for you to speed by, to pull you over and slam some kind of penalty on you. Maybe that's how you were taught that and raised. That that's how God is. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a distorted view of God. God did not come to imprison you. He came to free you. Free you from sin. Free you from guilt. Free you from shame. God's good to all. God is good through deliverance. I'd encourage you sometime, go to to Psalm 107. We're not going to do it now, but go to Psalm 107. And there's there's like four, five, four things that God says, I've been delivered from this. I was delivered from that. I was delivered from this. I was freed from that. And every time it was like, God is good. That whole Psalm was powerful. And it says on verse 42, The godly will see these things and be glad while the wicked will be struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. God is good not because he's done good things for you and me. God is good not because he frees us from shame. God is good not because I deserve it. God is good because God is good, period. That's his attribute. That's his characteristic. That's his nature, Romans 8.32 says this. Again, let's read this together. Romans 8.32. What shall we say about such wonderful things? About all these things. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of you, won't he also give you everything else? Let's remember the most ultimate thing recorded in history was the cross, God's radical sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, the clearest and most compelling evidence that God has my best interest in mine. And if God's already loved us enough to give us his very best, won't he take care of you tomorrow? He's given you the best. So why am I worried about tomorrow? Chip Ingram used an illustration. He said, imagine this, let's say you've been kidnapped. And it's a million-dollar ransom. And your father says, I will pay for that. And your daddy pays for your ransom. And you are free. And you come home. And that next morning you wake up and you're like, I wonder who's going to buy me lunch today. Are you kidding me? Your daddy paid a million-dollar ransom. Don't you think he can take care of your lunch today? Absolutely. That's how we got to see God. He is good. He is good all the time. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to to come here. Come on up. As they're coming up, I just want to say this. We know that God is good. His nature is goodness. But I want to go back to this beginning about fear. For some reason, when we get away from God and his goodness, that's when the fear creeps in. Are you fearful? Are you worrisome? Are you anxious about stuff? Then draw close back to God. Draw close back to God. It's like, well, I don't know if I can trust him. Oh, yes, you can. You can trust Him. If you've never placed your faith in God, you can trust Him today. No matter what's going on in your life. Let, let, me, let me tell you why, okay? Because here's what's going to happen uh, on Tuesday night, at least in Wauseon, trick-or-treating. People are going to be, kids are going to be grabbing these buckets or bags or whatever. They're going to go up to a house and they're going to get candy and more candy. They're going to go house to house to house. What's going to happen? They're going to go from stranger to stranger to stranger to stranger getting a bunch of food that was what? Came from where? We don't know where it came from. Well, who made it? I don't know. I've never been to that factory. What's in the ingredients? I have no clue. Who packaged them? No idea. So you got all these strange people producing something that you have no clue what it is, and they're going to fill your kid's bucket, and they're going to go home, and they're going to dig in, and you're going to share with it too, probably. Maybe it takes a few, right? But that's what it's like, wait a minute. We just trusted all these strangers for all this, what we call good. But yet we won't trust God. Who is good? Think about it. If we can trust people to give us something sweet, don't you think we can trust God to give us the sweetest? I think we can. I think we should. Would you please stand? I want to encourage you, church. God is good. And when we embrace the goodness of God and understand who he is, fear is alleviated. Our anxiousness, our weariness is gone. I want to encourage you to, to begin by trusting God in this way. Trust him to free you from your sins. If you're in here today and you've messed up and you've made some mistakes, here's where it all begins. Trusting him to forgive you. He is not that cosmic cop, as I said earlier, wanting to toss you in prison. He wants to free you today from your sin. He wants to free you today from your shame. He wants to free you from all those things that you are struggling with, if you would just ask him. So as I pray, I want you to pray. I want you to pray and ask God to forgive you and to, to remove those sins, remove that shame. For you are no longer condemned, are you? We've learned that from Romans 8. Ask God to remove your fears and anxiety. If you're in here today and you're so worried about something, you're very anxious about something, ask God to remove it. You might have to do that on a daily basis. Go for it. But when anxiety and fear show up at your door, trick-or-treating your house, you remember who's on your side. God's right there with you. Go ahead, open the door. See, ain't coming in because God is on our side. Fear, anxiety, bye-bye. You don't belong here. God gave you a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Pray that. Pray that. Your majestic and good Father said that He loves you, that He is good. I think we can trust Him. 1 Corinthians 16, 13-14 says this. Be on guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything with love. Do everything with love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for being a good God. When fear comes knocking on our doors, we don't have to answer. You told us. You've told us. You love us. You told us you'll take care of us. You'll forgive us. God, you're good. You gave us the greatest gift ever, your son, Jesus Christ. If we would just place our faith in you and ask for forgiveness you'll forgive us so God we ask first of all forgive us of our sins free us of our shame free us of our sin and for God for those of us in here who have a relationship with you that call ourselves Christians some of us we still deal with fear and anxiety and and worry God that's not from you God, give us the strength to stand firm, to be strong, to be courageous. And when fear and worry knocks on our door, help us to look fear in the face and say, I'm sorry, but my father said, I can't come out and play with you today. My God is bigger than you. He's on my side. You're not welcome here. Help us be bold, God. Help us be strong. Through the work of your Holy Spirit in us, Lord, take charge. Because you are good. You are good. God, we love you. We want to continue to worship you in song. In the precious name of prayer. Amen.